Thanks for listening to the Wellspring Church Podcast. Yeah, go ahead and have a seat. Good morning. It's good to see you here. If you're a guest, uh, my name's Trey Kelly, lead pastor here. Thank you. It's good to be up here. It's good to be back. Kicking off a brand new series today called Your Next Step. And if you attend our church regularly, you hear us uh, talk about this all the time. Um, is this right? I'm getting a look. We're good. Okay. Um, sounds good right here. But you, you hear me. <laughs> now, if you attend our church regularly, you hear us all we talk about your next step. And we're always encouraging people to take their next step. And the reason we, we use that language is because it, it's universal language, right? We all understand the concept in life of taking next steps. Uh, when you were a baby, if you had kids, what was the first kind of pivotal moment in their lives? It was when they took their first steps. And then they took their next step after that. They didn't just stop there. They went to preschool, then they went to kindergarten, and they went to uh, elementary school, and then middle school, and then high school, and then after high school, maybe they had a career, maybe they went to college, but by God's grace, hopefully they left. Mm. 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 After that, you know, you maybe meet a significant other, you get engaged, you get married, possibly have children, and then more steps. So we understand in life that is a series of steps. So the reason we use this language at our church is that we believe the same is true with our relationship with Jesus. That following him is really just a series of steps. And they could be different types of steps, different opportunities, different, different seasons. But when you really boil it down, every single step we ever take if you consider yourself a Christian, if you're considering becoming a Christian, when it comes to our relationship with Jesus, really revolves around how we answer one simple question. And this is the question. Who's the boss? How many of you immediately thought of Tony Danza? <laughs> keep your hands up, keep your hands up. Tell me you're 40 without telling me you're over 40. Right? You know what who's the boss is. But ultimately, every single one of us consider ourselves Christians. Every moment of every single day, every choice, every decision comes down to how we answer that question. Who's the boss? Who's in charge? Who's calling the shots. And there's really only two answers. Myself, I'm in charge, or my Savior, he's in charge. There's really no middle ground for those of us that consider ourselves Christians. And if you would consider yourself a Christian yet, your answer is simple. It's you. Who's the boss? I am. Myself. Some of you want to push back. Like, I am definitely not the boss. 
My parents are the boss. My coaches are the boss. There are other bosses. But I understand. They attempt to have influence and authority over your life. But you ultimately make the choice as to whether you're going to follow, whether you're going to obey. That's why when you don't obey, they try to make sure that there are consequences strong enough that you obey the next time. But ultimately, it's us. Every moment, every day, who's the boss? Me or Jesus? If you don't consider yourself a Christian, it's me. And in fact, for all of us in the room who do consider ourselves Christians, at one point, the answer was still us. It was me. It was myself. And the reason we changed our mind, the reason we chose to make Jesus the boss is because there are some things as Christians we believe. Some things we believe are true and that we embrace about the world. Primarily, the world itself is not neutral. We were not born into a neutral, passive world where we just get to choose to be good or to be bad. We believe we were born into a world that is affected by something called sin. And a sin is simply any act, any thought, anything we do that God does not want for us. And the reason he doesn't want it for us is because it hurts us. Well, so as Christians, we believe we are born pre-wired to desire sin. We are born pre-wired to distrust God, to want to do things our own way. And sin, as we just said, is painful. We say it around here. We say sin sabotages our life. That's the way we say it, because it does. And if you're here today, even if you don't believe in Jesus, you can look back on your life and see moments that were sabotaged, and those were sin. That's why you look back on them with guilt and with shame and with regret. And so as Christians, we believe we were born into this world, pre-wired to sin, that's going to sabotage us, but we also believe that sin separates us from God. God can't be around sin. In fact, the only thing God can do with sin is destroy it. So as Christians, we believe that rather than God punishing me and punishing you and punishing us for our sins, he chose to punish someone else in our place, Jesus, his son. He sent him to earth. He lived a perfect, sinless life. And then when he died on the cross, Jesus, I mean, Jesus was paying the penalty for all sin for all time. My sin, your sin, your grandparents' sin, your future kids' sin, all sin for all time was paid for at the cross. And then we believe on Easter Sunday when Jesus came back to life, it was a promise that no matter what you've done, no matter what happens to you, through the power of Jesus, through the power that can raise the dead, you too can live a new whole life. So that's why I'm a Christian. And that's why most of the people in the room that consider themselves Christians, that's why they decided to make Jesus the boss of their lives. But making Jesus the boss isn't a one-time decision. It's a daily decision. It's something we do over and over and over again, which is why we're doing this series. Because there are actually some non-negotiables of following Jesus. We're going to cover those over the next few weeks. There are actually some principles we can apply to decisions that he doesn't speak indirectly that we're going to talk about over the next few weeks. Because as your church... Our job, the reason God created us, is to come alongside you and train you and equip you and prepare you to follow Jesus for your entire life. And so that's why we're doing this series 
called your next step. And if you are new to faith, maybe new to our church, maybe you don't believe in Jesus at all, you're kind of checking Jesus out, then it's very clear for you to know what your next step is. It's to make the decision to put your faith in Jesus. Maybe you are a new Christian. Been checking us out for a little while. There are areas of your life that you've surrendered to Jesus, and there are areas of your life, it's okay, I understand it, you have not surrendered to Jesus. You're like, well, he's the boss in these areas, but I'm still the boss here, 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 and here. Join the club. Our prayer for you is over the next few weeks, you will find the clarity and the courage to surrender more of those areas to Jesus. But there are also some folks in the room like me, veterans, been Christians for decades. And here's why this series is so important to us. It's because we can begin to be convinced that because we made the decision before that Jesus is the boss, that we don't have to continue to make the decision every day. We can start to become convinced that rather than following Jesus as a journey, we can become convinced that we've reached a destination. And we're good now. We check the boxes. We've done what was supposed to be done. We don't even have to think about following Jesus because we already know we have. Now, here's the problem. That is not the way relationships work. You know it. I know it. We all know it. For those of you that are married in the room, when you got married, you chose to love your spouse, right? Was that the last time you had to make that choice? <laughs> Clearly not. For those of you with children, the doctor handed them to you. The judge banged the gavel. They were yours. You looked at them. Mm, you felt that feeling. I love you. Was that the last time you had to choose to love your kids? No. We get this in every other relationship. But there's something about being a Christian, especially if you've been a Christian for a while. You've taken the steps. You've done the things. It can become easy to think, I've arrived. So what I want to do today is I want to take you to a story from the life of Jesus to show me, you, and all of us just how dangerous that idea really is. Because what I hope we learn today is what many of us considered our first step of faith. Maybe you remember the moment. Maybe you have pictures. You remember the first step, choosing to surrender. The first step is also the daily step. It's also the next step. But we tend to forget it. Now, to show you why I, I think this and why I want to talk about this, I want to take you to a story from the life of Jesus near the end of his ministry. Uh, Jesus is hanging out with his disciples, and he begins asking his disciples a question. Okay, by this time, Jesus is famous. He's been doing miracles. He's been all over. And he begins polling his disciples. He's like, hey, who do your friends say that I am? When you guys are traveling around and they find out you, you work for me and you follow me, who do people say I am? And they just start listening. They say, oh, man, some people say you're a prophet Elijah. Some people say you're John the Baptist. Come back to life. Like, everyone agreed Jesus was special. Okay, everyone agreed Jesus was holy in some way. They had seen him do miracles. They knew he was from God. And so he kind of gets a, a feel for who all the people say. And then Jesus asks them a question. He says, okay, but who do you say that I am? He's like, okay, I don't really, that's interesting. That's interesting what your other people, what your friends said. 
What about you guys? You've been with me? You've walked almost three years? Who do you think I am? What do you think I'm up to? What do you think's going on here? I want to pause for a moment because at this point we are going to meet one of Jesus' disciples, a man named Simon Peter. If you were here last week, Campbell talked about Simon Peter as well. Simon Peter is a favorite topic for pastors because he makes us feel better about ourselves. <laughs> because Simon Peter is relatable. He is a guy who, while Jesus was on the earth, he would be bold. He would be brash. He had some high highs and some low lows. And by the time these biographies were written, Peter had the power to keep these stories out of the Gospels, and he didn't, which makes me love him even more. Because I could see Peter being like, do we really have to have another story about how I blew it? Do we really need one more? But Peter knew they're going to need it. They're going to need to know that the men who followed Jesus, the men who changed the world, were human. They were normal. And we are about to see Peter do what I believe as Christians is one of the most normal things we could do. So Jesus asked the question, who do people say that I am? Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answers. He says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. He says, you're exactly who you say you are. You're God incarnate. You're the Messiah we've been waiting for. You're my Lord. You're my Savior. You're my King. You, Jesus, are the answer to everything. That's how Peter responds in that moment. Watch what Jesus says back. He says, you are blessed, Simon, son of John. Because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. He's like, Peter, my man, you did it. You got that exactly right. And I'm so excited because only my Father in heaven could have revealed that to you. Jesus keeps going. We don't have time to read it. But essentially, he gushes praise on Peter. He says, Peter, you got this right. And you know what? I'm going to call you the rock. That's actually what Peter means. I'm going to call you the rock. And on what you've just said, the foundation that I'm the Messiah, that's what I'm going to build my church on. And the gates of hell will never conquer it. And Peter, by the way, because you got this right, man, when I'm gone, you're going to have authority on earth. And you're, you're going you're to be able to do things, and I'm going to be with you. Well done! Well, if you're Peter... What do you believe in that moment? Uh, I've arrived. I have made it. Peter looked at the rest of the disciples and he's like, <clears throat> nailed it. <clears throat> now pause. Before we left, especially being a Christian for a while, let's be honest. You've had those moments. I mean, we have the moments of failure, but you've also, you've had the moment or a friend had a question, or maybe there was something going on in your marriage, or maybe you needed to have a, a, a talk to talk with a kid, and you sit down, and you just feel that Holy Spirit flowing, and the, even as the words are coming out of your mouth, you're like, I've never had that thought before, but this sounds great. And I mean, you just, you say the thing, and you see their eyes change, and they're like, wow, thank you. That really 
really help. And you're like, I know it did. I nailed that. I did. You know what? Anybody else need help? I'm available. You've had those moments. Maybe you've been a Christian long enough and you feel like you've, you've checked all the boxes. You, you do what you're supposed to do. You give what you're supposed to give. You love. You pray. You do that. And that's not a moment. That, that's, a, that's a place where you live. I've arrived. I have reached my potential in Christ. There's really no more. Now, we never say that. We never say that out loud. But we get a feeling. And the way we know we have this feeling is we begin to argue with God over next steps, over things. Because we have arrived, we somehow give ourselves equality with the God of the universe and feel comfortable speaking back. Well, I know you said this, Jesus, but come on, let's think about it. I know this, I know this. See, that's what Peter does. See, right after this moment, right after, Jesus has just poured praise on him. Man, you heard from my dad. That was amazing. We're going to build the church on this. Peter is going to be so awesome. Jesus begins to prepare his disciples for what's coming. And he says, hey, guys, I need you to know we're about to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to be arrested. I'm going to be killed. But don't worry. After three days, I'm going to come back to life. Jesus begins to speak this truth. He begins to speak the next steps over the disciples. He begins to speak about what's coming. And Peter, because he believes he's arrived, because he forgets that this relationship is a journey, because he thinks that moment with Jesus was his destination, says these words to his king when his king tells him, here's what's coming next. Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. Heaven forbid, Lord, this will never happen to you. Now, can we all just pause for a second and let that moment sit? Peter reprimanded Jesus. And he even brought heaven into it. Heaven forbid, Lord. Where did he think Jesus came from? Where did you think Jesus was going? Now, it's easy to sit here and judge Peter. It's easy to say, oh, why would Peter ever do such a thing? It's much more difficult but much more helpful to get real quiet for a moment. Don't look around. And own that every single one of us in this room that call ourselves Christians has done this. There was an opportunity for us to love our enemy. And we said, heaven forbid. There was an opportunity for us to be generous. Heaven forbid. There was an opportunity for us to have integrity in a moment where it might cost us something. Heaven forbid. And here's the weird thing. This is why I'm talking really to, I mean, everybody can listen, but I'm talking to the Christians in the room. I'm talking to the OGs. You have been there. You got the workbooks. 
I mean, you know, if I say experiencing God, you say Henry Blackaby. Like, you know. <laughs> Guys, it is so easy. It is so easy. When you've been walking with Jesus for decades, it is so easy to begin to think, I've arrived. I've become who I'm supposed to be. I don't need to consult Jesus anymore because I know. And when I'm in conflict with Jesus, I have this mental jujitsu I can do to say, well, I know Jesus says that, but dot, dot, dot. That's what Peter's doing. Peter hears this. He's like, well, he did call me the rock. He said he was going to build it on me. And so I better stand up in this moment. Never, Jesus. This will never happen. What? We do the same thing. Every day. Every time we choose, big or small, to disobey. Every single time we say, I know more than you. We do what Peter did. I say that because I want you to see how Jesus responds to Peter. Because unless you know the story, you are not prepared for what's about to happen. Peter thinks he is defending Jesus. Peter thinks he is protecting Jesus. What he's actually doing is not listening to Jesus. He's saying, no, you're not going to do this. Here's how Jesus responds. Get away from me, Satan, because you're a dangerous trap to me. Now, do we really think Jesus thought Peter was Satan? No. Because if Jesus says it, it's true. Jesus has already told Peter, you are going to be a great leader in my church. So he wasn't accusing Peter. He was informing Peter. I believe he was giving Peter and through Peter us an incredible gift. Because he was actually reframing for us the ultimate question we ask every moment of every day. Remember we started and we said the question was, who's the boss, myself or my Savior? Now, when you first come to faith, when you first become a Christian, it is super easy to say, myself is sinful, so I'm going to follow my Savior. No, nah, myself. But when you've been a Christian long enough, you've been walking long enough, you checked all the boxes, you've done all the things, Whereas before it was myself and my Savior, you know what can begin to happen if you think of Christianity as a destination? You begin to elevate your view of yourself. You know what? I'm a pretty good guy. I'm a pretty good daughter. I'm a pretty good wife. I'm a, I'm a pretty good steward. That's what happened to Peter because of all that praise. He he elevates himself. And it's in that elevation of ourselves where we become comfortable reprimanding Jesus. Heaven forbid this would ever happen. It wasn't because Peter wasn't a Christian. It's because he had been following long enough that he forgot his duty was to follow. And so Jesus 
very kindly explodes that myth when he calls Peter Satan. He's not talking to Peter. He's talking to Peter's leader in that moment. He's being led by Satan. He's being led by sin. And in doing so, he blows open the myth. We think our choice every day is between myself and my Savior. Folks, that's not the choice. When we ask every day, who's the boss? It's not myself and my Savior. It's my sin or my Savior. That's the choice. And it's only when we walk through life moment by moment aware of this that we never run the risk of believing we've arrived. We never run the risk of finding ourselves equal with God. We never run the risk of saying, you know what, Jesus, I know what you say, but because we're aware. Anytime I leave my Savior, I am walking towards my sin. I am walking towards life. I am walking towards destruction. That's why Jesus says, get away from me, Satan. He's saying, Peter, you're not being led by me in this moment. And you're not even being led by yourself. You're being led by your sin. You're being led by our enemy. Because why else would you reprimand me? That's why Jesus says what he says. That's why he says, get away from me, Satan. You're a dangerous trap to me. And then he adds these words. He says, you are seeing things merely from a human point of view. Not from God's. He says, Peter, you've fallen back. Peter, you've slipped. Peter, Peter, you've turned. Peter, you were walking with me, and then I gave you all that praise, and you arrived. And so then when I said something you don't like, you felt comfortable saying, nope, I'm going this way. And Peter, you walked right back in the destruction and sin and death. See, I think the disciples thought they had made the decision when Jesus said, come follow me. They'd made the follow decision. They didn't realize they had to make it again and again and again and again and again. So just to make it crystal clear, after this moment, Jesus turns. Because by this point, the other disciples have all gathered around. i got to assume some of them really loved it when Peter got in trouble. Some of them were like, ooh, tension. And they would walk away when Peter got in trouble. But by this point, Peter's getting in trouble again. And he, Jesus calls everybody over and he says some shocking words. Jesus says to his disciples, if any of you want to be my follower, he says this to men who have followed him for three years. If I'm a disciple, I'm like, want to be your follower? What have I been doing for three years? Man, I left my job. I left my family. What do you mean if I want to be your follower? How is what I've done in the past not enough? And Jesus would say, that's exactly my point. Yeah, you were my followers yesterday. But you get to choose every day if you want to be my follower. It's not a one-time decision. It's a daily decision. And I just gave you some news you might not like. It's about to go down. Here's what they knew. If Jesus was going to get arrested, if he was going to be killed, they might be killed too. And so he frames for them and us the actual choice we as Christ followers make. If any of you wants to be my father, wants. He's not saying you have to be. He's not demanding. He's inviting. But he's saying, if you really want to follow me, 
It's not a one and done. It is a moment by moment. It is a day by day. It is every single choice, every single decision, every opportunity filtered through following me. And then Jesus explains to them and to us what that looks like. He says, if you want to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. Give up your own way. He doesn't mean once. He doesn't mean twice. He doesn't mean until your way is close enough to his way where you can't really tell the difference. Give up every day forever your own way. That's what Jesus says. Other translations say deny yourself. You know why? Because when you deny yourself, you're denying yourself. That's what you got to think through. He says moment by moment, day by day, deny yourself. And take up your cross. See, that doesn't have the weight for us. Because we wear the cross as jewelry. The cross is a symbol of victory for us. It's a symbol of joy as it should be. For his followers? He basically just told them, get ready to give up your life if you follow me. The only reason you took up a cross in Jesus' day it was when you were walking to your death. And Jesus didn't stutter. He knew what he was saying. Because he knew the choices were between sin and Savior. So he says, you want to be my follower. You've got to deny yourself. 24-7, 365. When I say do something and you don't want to do it, deny that follow me. I have spent the last few years of my life trying to teach my kids that not everything in the world is black and white. There is gray, and we have to have nuance. This is not gray. This is black and white. Jesus says, follow me or follow your sin. Just understand what you're doing. And so the invitation to us is deny ourselves, be willing to lay down our life, and to follow him moment by moment by moment. That means you don't make a decision in your life without asking Jesus what he thinks first. That's why you've always got a next step to take. Because there's always another decision. And then just to really hammer it home, Jesus says a couple more things. He says, and oh, by the way, in case you've forgotten it, if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you'll save it. In other words, Every single time, no matter how far you are on the journey, no matter how many things you've gotten right in the past, no matter how Christian you are, Peter teaches we are one step away from turning back to our sin and back into destruction. In other words, there's no step you'll ever take in your life towards sin that you won't regret. So every time we try to hang on, every time we try to cling to that, we're going to lose something. We're going to lose influence. We're going to lose relationships because that's what sin does. And sin doesn't just hurt us. It hurts our family. It hurts our family's family. Sometimes even down to the third generation. So he's saying every time you turn back to yourself, you're hurting someone. But every time you choose me, sacrifice what you want for what I want you gain something you save your life 
You save your friends and your family from the pain of sin. You save them. And then just to make it clear, he asks one more question. He says, what do you benefit? What's actually the value? If you gain the whole world here and now, if you follow yourself and you gain everything you have, but you lose your soul, is anything worth more than your soul? You're free to answer, but I'm quite certain Jesus meant that to be a rhetorical question. Because your soul is why he came. Your soul is what he came to set free. Your soul is what's going to spend eternity with him. Your soul is what he's desperately trying to protect. Our soul is what he molds and shapes every day as we follow him. And every day when we obey, he gives us more fruits of his spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And every time we turn and turn back to our sin, we lose some of that. And we pick up guilt, shame, regret, hurt, not just for us, but for everyone in our lives. Another way he could say it, what is the benefit if you gain the whole world and lose your family? What, what, what is the benefit? And that's the question. That's the framework in which I believe all of us are to go to bed each night, wake up each morning, and walk into every single decision we make, every moment of every day understanding what Jesus has invited us to, a life of following, a life where we are very clear-headed about this question. We understand it's not between myself and my Savior. We understand the reality of the situation. I am choosing between my sin and my Savior. Every opportunity, every moment, every choice. And so, what is your next step? What is my next step? What is every single one of our next step? If we consider ourselves Christians, it's to live every moment of every day in that reality. And I believe it's to adopt this posture. I will deny myself in devotion to my Savior. Not one time. Not every Sunday. Every single moment. Every single day. When I win, when I lose, when my kids are treated fairly, when my kids are treated poorly, when I have lots of money, when I have none, when people are fair to me, when they're unfair, when I walk in justice, when I receive injustice, every moment, every day is a choice to take our next step of denying ourselves in devotion to our Savior. So you're going to have a next step every moment of every day until you meet Jesus face to face. My prayer today as we begin this series is that we embrace the lesson from Peter. That 
It doesn't matter what we've done in the past. Obedience doesn't work that way. We can't build up enough to give ourselves permission to divert. Because every step away from Jesus is a step back into death and destruction. And in my experience, the longer you've been following, the harder the fall when we turn away. And as your pastor, I don't want that for you. And so we have to understand this is a day-by-day, moment-by-moment relationship. So here's my challenge. Where do you need to apply this statement in your life? I don't know the answer, but you do. Where in your life have you started to step slowly back towards yourself? towards your understanding, towards your desires. And I don't judge you. It never occurred to you it was sin. Some of us think we're beyond that. Doesn't get much closer than Peter was to Jesus. And in one moment, he went the wrong way. Because he thought it was a destination. When in reality, it's simply a journey of devotion. So again, where? Where in your life do you need to deny yourself in devotion to your Savior? Where do you need clarity from Him and courage to step back towards Him? If we can help, we'd love to. That's why we have the Blue Room. That's why our church is here. aren't sure don't worry we got plenty of weeks of this series left we're going to talk about a lot of stuff and i hope over the next few weeks god will will illuminate some things in your heart as i said we're going to talk about some non-negotiables of the faith so it's going to be pretty clear we're also going to talk about some principles we can use to to make choices on that aren't black and white in the text so we're just getting started my prayer especially for some of you who've been christians for a long time just mean it's impossible that you can relate to Peter. Is it possible? Maybe you've let your foot off the gas a little bit. I've arrived. My prayers in this moment, the Holy Spirit will convict that you'll be able to step without any pain. But if you are in pain, step back and if you're concerned about the ramifications remember we serve a God that raises the dead this same guy this Peter went on to preach the first sermon at the first church service where the church grew from 1,000 to 3,000 I mean from 120 to 3,000 people same guy that's what Campbell said last week God's not done with you yet but if there's a step know in a room like this, for some of you, your next step is the first step. It's to choose to put your faith in Jesus for the very first time. And so what I'd love to do as we close is give you an opportunity to make that decision right now. So I'm going to invite everyone to bow their heads with me, close their eyes. 
And if you would like to begin a relationship with Jesus today, if you would like for the very first time to deny yourself in devotion to him, I'm going to pray a prayer. And I'm going to pray this out loud so that you can repeat it. And you can pray this prayer to Jesus. And you can begin a relationship with him. To simply say, Jesus, I need you in my life. And I choose now to deny myself in devotion to you. Jesus, I know I'm, I'm a sinner. I've done things I wasn't supposed to do. And I know that sin has a penalty, and that penalty is separation from God. But Jesus, I believe God sent you to rescue me. Jesus, I believe you lived a perfect life. I believe your death on the cross paid the price for my sins. And I believe when you came back to life, you made me a promise that through you, I could live a new life as well. So Jesus, today I commit my life to you, not once, but every moment of every day to do my best to follow you. Thank you for saving me. And I want you to keep your heads bowed, but if you prayed that prayer with us, we believe something supernatural happened. We believe you literally, your soul crossed over from separation to renewal, to reconnection with your Heavenly Father. And as your church, one of our primary roles is to help you take your next steps of faith. Jesus makes very clear the first step of faith is to go public. We do that through something called baptism. We're going to talk about that in two weeks. And my prayer is that you will go public in baptism at our church. It's a way of announcing what's happened. But what we like to do is give people an immediate chance to take a step. And so we always let people go public in a private way. Here's what I mean. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. But in a minute, I'm going to count to three. And if you prayed that prayer with me, if you placed your faith in Jesus today, when I get to three, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand and keep it raised. As a very first step of faith, as a way to go public in a private way until you can go public in baptism. Ready? One, two, three. All right, just raise your hand. Raise your hand and keep it high. Just keep it up. As a symbol of the very first step of faith you've taken. The first of many steps. Steps of surrender, steps of sacrifice. Steps away from your sin into the life your heavenly Father has created you to live. All right, you can put your hands down. I want everyone to look at me for just a second. I'm incredibly excited about where God's going to take us over the next few weeks. Because I believe for every single one of us, there are steps. There are simple steps. There are deep steps. And here's what I can tell you in my life personally. I've never regretted taking a step towards Jesus in my life. And so I pray for those of you who consider yourself Christians, continue to let the Holy Spirit speak. If he gives you clarity, I also pray for courage to step towards him. If today you, you raise your hand and you took a step, I pray you'll go to our blue room or there's literally a card in the chair, in the chair back and it says, I raised my hand, now what? That card's for you. Take that, 
it gives you some clear next steps. We would love to be a part of your journey of following Jesus. Wherever you are, we're just getting started. God has some amazing things to teach us as we choose, as we say, to deny ourselves in devotion to our Savior in every single area of our lives. I hope you will join us. Let me pray. Father, we just love you so much and are just so overwhelmingly grateful for your goodness and your patience and your love and your mercy. Oh, Heavenly Father, I just pray in this moment you will give us wisdom, you will give us clarity. Show us the places where we are turning back towards ourselves, turning back towards our sin, turning back towards death and destruction. Father, illuminate so that we can turn, so that we can obey, so that we can follow, so that we can gain every ounce of every promise, every blessing you have planned for us. Jesus, may we never settle for anything less than your absolute best for our lives. May we live a life devoted to you. It's in your son's name we pray.